Hello and welcome to The Huddle. Liam Santa Maria with you. And uh, it's time we talk about the Tasmania Jack Jumpers. They have been the really the story of the season so far. Six and six after their opening 12 games and on a four-game winning streak. So to help with that, I'm bringing in the head coach, Scott Roth, who has been the talk of the NBL town in recent times. So sit back, relax. Up next, Scott Roth. Coach, thanks for joining me, mate. Uh, good to see you. Always good to be on with you. Appreciate it. Uh, I know you've just stepped straight off the practice floor. How yeah. was practice? Yeah, no, it was good. Uh, the guys are, you know, like, I kind of get old saying it, but, you know, we're just constantly uh, trying to improve ourselves and do the work. And, uh, again, I push these guys very, very hard during the week uh, to get ready for the weekends. And um, they always respond and they always are on point. And uh, we still have a ton of growth in us. Our, our group intelligence overall is just getting better and better uh, game by game. And um, we continue to just do the work and we'll get ready for Southeast. From two and six, you're now six and six. How are you enjoying life on a four game winning streak? Well, it's nice, you know, for me, uh, again, I don't, I don't really look at the ladder. I don't really follow, you know, so much or wrap myself around the wins and losses, more of the process of rewarding these guys for the work. And I think if you do the work long enough, uh, things will come back to you. I, I believe in the, the basketball gods, and I think they reward, you know, honesty and hard work. And uh, we had a few early on that we couldn't get across the line, and they kept working and believing in the right things that we were doing. And they got rewarded with this little uh, win streak that's going on right now. So I'm really, really happy for them uh, for the amount of work they put in and, and, and going through the process. The basketball gods do, however, work in mysterious ways um, because every, when everything just looks like it's, it's rolling and you're knocking on the door of the top, well, in fact, you're in the top four, yep. knocking on the door of the top four in the power rankings, but let's not talk about that. Um, then all of a sudden you get another setback. Will Magnet announced he's going to miss some time. I mean, yep. give, give us the rundown about what's, what's happened with him and, and where that's all at. Yeah, you know, the, um, he's going to be out, uh, you know, probably four to uh, four weeks roughly in that area. We'll just see how he goes. Uh, it's the good news is there's no structural damage. He was complaining the last few days about this soreness. And we had these four games in nine days and uh, two of those games, he played a, a huge factor and a lot of minutes in them, uh, took a few hard falls. And so he just has some uh, soreness in the knees, uh, kind of more of a stress kind of injury right now. And um, rest is really the only requirement that he needs. And so um, the good news is it's not long-term. It'll be short-term and no structural damage. Um, the other good news is for me is that we get to see some other players uh, increase their minutes. Uh, we'll have Jock Perry out there uh, trying to get a few minutes uh, to help us in those areas. Uh, we might play small and move Mikhail over to the five. Uh, Fab and Jared Bairstow have been great for us off the bench. They're going to increase their minutes, and we'll just have to manufacture that position. Uh, the reality is, you know, Mags plays about 20-some minutes a game. Um, obviously important parts of the game, but the other 20 minutes he doesn't play. So we just have to find 20 good more minutes from our guys to just get through it. Mm. Um, you're a positive guy. So you're not going to enjoy this, this, you know, diving too deep in the, the, the kind of disappointment of that, but he, he's been, he's been so important. You know, other guys who have been putting up numbers, Josh Adams, Josh Majette, Jack McVeigh, even McCall McIntosh the other day, get a lot of the press because Magne's impact doesn't always show up in the points column. I mean, he had, certainly at the defensive end, you can see how much of an impact he has as a rim protector, as a pick and roll defender. 
but also offensively. I think about that that huge play when when Josh found Jack McVeigh on the three point line, huge yeah. three point hit the other day. Will Magnay's dive to the rim was what sucked in the defense. It's going to be a big hit for you guys on the floor. Yeah, that play is something that we we work on and save kind of for later games because just for that same reason to see if they'll bite on that kind of action and it worked in that situation and. He's been a huge uh, impact, and especially the last three or four weeks. You know, obviously he's down in the dumps about all this, but um, he'll bounce back. He's still 23, and again, there's nothing really structurally wrong. So it's just a matter of getting some rest and 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 just going through it. He does anchor our defense. You know, he's a rim protector. Uh, we're going to really emphasize, obviously, guarding our yard and keeping the ball in front of us as much as possible. You can't uh, always rely on someone like that to be behind you to block shots. So it's going to be important that the ball stays in front of our guys as much as possible and that we're on point defensively. And he's bailed us out of a lot of times when we haven't been so good. So um, we'll just have to be creative. Uh, again, it's more opportunities for other guys. And, um, you know, hopefully he, he, you know, gets back soon. And he did a ton of work these last three weeks. And, you know, I personally was trying to get after him and spend a lot of time with him after practice and kind of forcing him out of his comfort zone. He responded great. And uh, we'll just get him back as soon as we can. Um, so you guys had that COVID break when yeah. basically it went right through your group. Um, you come out, you lose to Southeast Melbourne at home. You, you didn't get whacked, which yep. was which was all in all a good result because we've yep. seen what's happened to some teams in that type of situation. And from there, you beat Adelaide, New Zealand, Sydney, and then you go on the road and you beat the defending champs. But what's what's been the most pleasing part for you out of this past three or four weeks? Um, I think really uh, the biggest thing that's probably changed or just improved for us is the players are finding their roles um, and where they can really help us. And, you know, when you got 15 new guys, there's just a mixture of everything kind of happening and you throw uh, 15 guys in a big pot and they're all kind of swimming around seeing where they really land. And I think really in the last three to four weeks, guys have really locked into their roles, locked into how they can impact our game. Um, how they help each other win games and help each other play. And, um, you know, Josh Majette and uh, Josh Adams, their shot selection has improved. Uh, Matt Kenyon is locked into being a defender. You know, Magna has been obviously at the front of the rim for us. So guys have really zeroed in on their strengths uh, and their roles. And it's helped us offensively. And it's just helped us in general figure things out uh, as we went along. And, and they're buying into the grit and grind that we have to do every day. Um, you know, I told them from day one, we have to be different. We can't be like the other nine NBL teams when we come out here. Um, and so I put a lot of pressure on them to have a pressure defense, to be flying around, to be more entertaining on that end of the floor than offensively. And they bought into that. And now we're kind of in the mode of tweaking our offense very slowly week to week. And they're finding their roles and their niche and what really works for us offensively. So um, the group intelligence has gotten better and um, their roles of you know, kind of been solidified, I think. Um, I want to dive in a little bit deeper in a minute about, about all of that. What's made you different, what you're doing at, at each end of the floor. But firstly, you, you guys have had, um, you've had a few kind of big moments, like memorable moments over the, the journey so far. I think, I think about the alley. Halloran, I hear, I can always see this one coming. Go ahead. You know where we get, you know where we're getting to, but let me work my way there because yeah. I think about opening night in the alley, you play to Josh Adams in yeah. overtime, big moment. What a what a gutsy play call yeah. in your first in your first game. Yeah. Um, I think of you know some big chop blocks from Will Magna and of course Josh Majette lining it up against New Zealand a couple of games ago. But talk us through the celebration. 
and and what you were thinking in that moment in the the handshake line and what happened in your mind and body yeah i think you know i'm in general i think i'm relatively reserved to most of the coaches in general um but i think it was again accumulation of we had lost a few early on and these guys have been working so hard and that game really against Adelaide did not look good for us for a long time. And they just found a way to win that game. Um, and so I think it was just more the appreciation for the fans of just staying with us. Um, they're learning how to be fans in Tassie again, basketball fans, I think. And I just was more appreciative of them really sticking with us and, and they got us over the line. I mean, it was uh, dire straits there for a little bit in some situations in that game. And they just kept cheering and they, they found their way as fans. And it really was inspiring for me to, you know, see it all. And again, I'm relatively reserved, but you know, emotions are emotions. And um, uh, I want to be myself. I think this is one of the things that uh, when I took this job, um, I promised myself I would be myself. I wouldn't have to act any certain way for any certain person that, other than myself. And um, I'm proud of the fact that I had that release. And um, I, I just wanted to make sure that we appreciate the fans that got us through that uh, in those tough moments. I'm going to say, though, that in that, that, that moment was about probably more than basketball. Is that fair to say? Because, I mean, I know that in the lead up to the season, we, away from family, that the border issues, yeah. it was, it got pretty tough. And yeah, then I, I definitely thought about going home. Um, I hadn't seen my wife. I didn't know if it that was actually going to happen. Uh, so that game, uh, the opening night game was emotional just because for two or three weeks before that, I was actually just planning on going home and thinking this is really not worth it at the end of the day of what I've been going through. And the last month was just a mental uh, it was mentally very tough for me. I was crashing and burning. There's no question about it. And to win that game was a relief. And then finally, my wife had just come over uh, uh, probably a week before that uh, Adelaide game, finally. And it was just another emotional reach, like, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. Um, yeah, the, the fans and the town have really embraced this team and myself. And yeah, well, I think it was a release on that end also of just you know, I'm happy to be here really in, in where I need to be. And I, I found my home. Um, the cool thing about you guys right now is you're building something. You're yeah. building something from the ground up. We've actually seen it in the league a few times in recent years. You know, you go back a few years to when Brisbane came back into the league, Andre Lamana, CJ Bruton, they were charged with the task of building something. Southeast yeah. Melbourne, three seasons ago, Tommy Greer, Simon Mitchell, Rowan Short. You guys need to build something from the ground up. And, and you, Simon Brookhouse, and, and the crew there are doing that. And the big word that you always talk about is culture. You yep. want it to be a culture-driven club. In fact, a few days ago, you said on radio that you think that this is a culture-driven country, yes. Australia, when it comes to sports. What do you mean by that? I just, you know, I've been obviously, again, I, I, I'm fortunate to be in Perth, and I, I saw it firsthand. And you, you know when you walk into places – what happened when I was in the first 30 minutes when I walked in the door in Perth I understood completely I didn't have to see a player I didn't have to see anything I saw the building I saw the neatness I saw the people dress I saw how they approached me hmm. I knew right away I was in a winning environment and then when I got to be around that for X amount of months the culture wins there and then now to see other sports as I watch TV and the cricket and the AFL um, winning teams over here are built on culture. Uh, there's no quick fix. It's a, it's a long-term process. 
And I was fortunate enough to get this job to hopefully start that process from day one and not inherit something that you try to turn over or, or create uh, a different way. And so uh, when I watch sports just in general in Australia, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. I, it's not in the States like that. It's not in Europe like that, except maybe at the national team level a little bit. But it's very driven here. And it's one thing that I really love. Uh, and the players really uh, wrap themselves around that if they're in the right environments and, and really fall in love with that, that, that culture. And that was one of my calls to bringing players in here because uh, they didn't know me from anyone. And I said, if you want to build something special and have something sustainable and put your fingerprint on something, this is the place to come to help me do this. And that was really um, one of my main ways of attracting players down here. And, and I was very selective. I think people overread some of the signings in some ways because they weren't overly happy with some of the things you could debate about the years uh with some guys getting here and there but for me i did enough homework uh to find out really what these players were about and what was going to be their uh, their hot buttons and what they were looking for to build and i think for the most part you can debate about talent but as far as character i think i i i batted a thousand on that with these guys which i'm really proud of I find it fascinating what you were talking about there about walking into the building and feeling it within 30 minutes. I, I remember chatting with Dan Shamir last year and he was talking about culture and he said, you feel it at the, when you walk into RAC arena at the Perth, well, at the Perth in WA, you feel yeah. it when you walk in the building. He said, you can feel it when you walk into the building for at Real Madrid yeah. or at Barca at Cisco where, where he coached. Um, there is something about the environment. Now, is it the banners? Like, what, what is it? And, and, and I guess digging a little deeper for you, what is it on the day-to-day? -day? You talk about, we, we talk about coming in and doing the right things, going about it the right way on the day-to-day. -day. What is it on the day-to-day -day that ends up building that kind of culture, do you think? Yeah, I mean, we, we obviously have some things, you know, defend the island, stay hungry and humble. Those are all words, really, at the end of the day. But preaching mm -hmm. those every day is something that, I take pride in that when I show up with these guys, I have my two or three minute speech about what it means to, to be a jack jumper and what I see during the week. You know, one of my biggest things is about putting value in other people and that's not about you. And so I, I push these guys every day. I said it this morning, find value in somebody today in practice. This is not gonna be about you today in practice. It's about helping the guy to the left or the right of you. And we've kind of stuck with some of those little mini beliefs that I think drive culture, that drive things being right. You know, we. I read the book about cleaning the shed with uh, with the New Zealand uh, All Blacks, and we make sure that this office is spotless when we leave here, that the desks are pushed in, everything's clean, the garbage is taken out, the players are responsible for cleaning the kitchen and all that. And so all that is culture building, but it has to be a daily thing. It can't be words on a wall, spoken about here and there, and it has to be driven every single day. And then it goes on to the practice floor of the expectations of what it means to be on this floor and what we're looking for and the work ethic and it becomes contagious and uh, there's no accident that I got a few guys from Perth to be here mm -hmm. because they set the tone when Clint Style walks into a building Clint Style is walking in as, as a true professional basketball player that everyone can look at and say well, if he's doing it I better do it mm -hmm. and people thought about Jared Bearstow and they question why I signed him but when he walks into a building he has the respect of everyone in the building because the work he does and the professionalism and how he carries himself is invaluable. Now you can debate about how good or bad a player he is, that's fine. But what he drives is culture. And what he does is he forces Magne, Fabian, 
all the other players, Jack Mouvet, who haven't been, been around it, to buy into those kind of things. And it didn't, it just snowballs and guys continue to work. And now instead of having one or two guys sitting on the sideline getting ready for practice, all 15 are on the floor doing their vitamins, going to work because they look around and say, I don't want to be the guy. Mm. I want to be the guy that's not working. And so that just breeds um, a work ethic that's across the board with our group and our coaches. And um, again, I push them very hard and, and um, I'm kind of no nonsense in one way, but I feel like I'm very player friendly in another way. Um, and so for us, it's just a daily thing of what it means to put this jersey on, what it means to represent the state, which is huge for me. Um, this is a state team that's unique in that situation and they deserve a, a hard nosed blue collar working team. And that's what I wanted to put on the floor. You said you push you guys hard and that you're no nonsense in a lot of ways. Um, I enjoyed reading this article by my man, Peter Hawley, the other day, he spoke to Sam McDaniel and Sam spoke about the accountability that he feels exists within your club and your team right now. And, and I think it's, you know, you talk about culture and, we talk about coaching and, and what that means on the day-to-day. -day. I feel like the accountability is a, a, an underrated element of all of that. I look at what Dean Vickerman's done at Melbourne United. Yeah. And from day dot, he brought an accountability to them uh, and the way they go about things, but especially at the defensive end that didn't previously exist at that club. And they were a talented team year after year who underperformed yeah. to their potential. But yeah. what, is, what does accountability mean for you as a coach? Well, you know, you've heard it before. When I got the job, I promised nobody anything here. I, I had players and agents and people calling me about their guys and they want to start or they want this or they want that. And the minute I heard that, I said, thank you, but no thank you and went on to the next guy because right. uh, accountability to me is you, you earn your way through all the, all the situations and no one is given anything. And I've never been given anything other than to work to go get it. And so... From day one, all the players knew they were on the same playing field. There wasn't anything given to anyone. There wasn't any predetermined starters. You had to earn that spot. And then we just upheld that through the course of our practices. Um, I'm a little bit more open offensively to let them have more freedom. But on a defensive end, uh, I don't let them have too many freedoms down there. Uh, when we have a game plan, we stick with that game plan. Uh, when I talk in the huddles, I talk in the huddles. Um, they know, they know that, you know, if they're not playing well, they're going to come out. Uh, they know that in practice, if they're not doing the right thing, we just move on and get to another guy and sub someone in. And that the accountability across the board is, is the work that they do and, and following what we're trying to do and, and buying into that. And they've been fantastic in all those areas. But, you know, you don't, I don't think you have to be a great X and O coach, but I do think you have to have um, accountability. I think you have to have your... Um, you're ones that are um, undisputable on what you believe in and you have to stick with your guns on those things. And then I think the players will buy into everything else at the end of the day, uh, as long as they know you have your best interest in them. Okay. So that's interesting. Talking about uh, not, no one getting promised anything and then sticking to your guns that I think one of the interesting things about you guys this season has been the lack of playing time for Nikita Mikhailovsky. Now we haven't seen many Nick stars come into the league and not get on the floor um, we saw it in Southeast Melbourne with um, uh, their next star a couple of years ago. And we're seeing it right now with Nikita. Or where's he at in his NBL next star journey? Yeah. So, you know, he, he had a bad six weeks of, of some of it was just bad luck with the COVID and then coming out of COVID. And he was one of the few that didn't get it and had a close contact. So he had to go on COVID when everyone came out. Uh, then we went on this road trip to Perth, which I actually thought I was going to end up playing him. 
He gets sick before that and doesn't go on that road trip. So he misses another seven days. And the reality is he's not ahead of the four guys that are playing. Uh, and I always, always ask, you know, if you want him to play, who don't you want him to play? You don't want Sam McDaniels on the floor. You don't want Josh Adams on the floor. You don't want Clint Steinle on the floor. You don't want Matt Kenyon on the floor. And you can't play 13 guys or 12 guys. It's hard to, hard to do. And he has to be better than them. And at this point, he's not. And I refuse to put anyone uh, that doesn't deserve the minutes they get on the floor because I think then I lose credibility in everything I've been preaching from day one. Um, and, uh, and it's been tough on him. You know, the language barrier is definitely a factor. Um, this league uh, is tough and there's not a lot of wiggle room and we've been in just about every game we've played in. So there's not been a, a window for him to really get seven, eight, nine, ten minutes in a row. Um, and the communication on the floor is, as you know, very quick. Yep. And he has a little bit of trouble with that during our practices of just communicating quickly on a switch or something that we've talked about. Mm -hmm. When you start missing those assignments, you start losing trust. And if the players don't trust you, it's hard to put you on the floor. And it's just a difficult situation, but I'm not going to um, bend my ways because two words are ahead of him and the next are. Uh, he's a player in the 15, and I see them all equal at the end of the day. Our development players, you know, uh, get to play He'll, when they're ready. And um, I just think it's fair at the end of the day to be fair as possible, and I think Again, that's another culture builder uh, component. You talked there about what, what you've been preaching from day dot. Um, and, and another thing you said recently, you said, I, I don't think that there's a lot of expectations about us winning too much other than to put a good product out there on the floor. Now, I think a lot of people, when they come in as a, as a new franchise and they think about putting a good product out there on the floor, they think about scoring points. Yeah. They think, all right, well, the fans are going to want to see um, high-scoring games. They're going to want to see us getting up and down and shooting the ball and putting points on the board. You came in and said, no, you know what? We're going to be one of the best defensive teams in the league. Incredible to come out in your first season. And right now you're second in the league in defensive rating, mid almost midway through the season. Why did you make that decision out of the gate? And what, what did you put in place at the defensive end of the floor from the very start of getting your group together in preseason? Well, I think the, the, the first thing was when I initially got here, I invested a lot of time traveling to the South and to the North and going back and forth between the state and talking to a lot of basketball people mm -hmm. and trying to hear their ears and what really resonates with them. And it was work ethic. It was, it was toughness. It was um, those kind of things I kept hearing. And to me, just in general, if you're ever going to win a championship and you're really building something, you're going to have to defend. Uh, there's anomalies that get into the top four, but at the end of the day, the best defensive teams are going to always have a chance to win on the road. You're always going to have a chance to get into the finals and you're always going to have a chance to get to the grand finals. So that combination of what the state to me is about is tough people that expect a work ethic and a product that's out there. And the only the best way to show that is on the defensive end. The best way to show that is guys diving on the floor. The best way to show that is deflections and guys flying around and cheering for each other. Um, and so we 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 attacked that from day one, which was right in my wheelhouse, anyways. Um, and you know, we talked about pressure. We talked about applying pressure to people that normally don't get pressure. I think a lot of teams here are in drops. The fours kind of get to move around very comfortably, and the fives do. That's a no-no with us. 
they get more pressure than the point guards. Uh, so we started building our defense in a little bit different way. And um, I think that the, the fans appreciate that. And I knew that our offense would be behind and that we, we could tweak it and hopefully slowly get better. But I think you have to start with the reality is if you really want to build something and you really want to win, you're going to have to play defense at some point or another. And why not do it in the first year to put the foundation in that that's the expectation of everyone that comes here, that the players around the league see that. And if you want to become a jack jumper, you're going to have to play defense and you're going to have to be on that end of the floor before you're allowed to go to the other end of the floor and jack up shots and do whatever you want to do down there. What's cool about that, though, is um, that sounds great. Every coach across the league is, <laughs> is saying that. You know, James Duncan's saying that in Brisbane right now. It's been his message from the get-go. What's cool about your team is you guys have actually been really getting that done. Yeah. And, and the combination, you talk about we want to be a pressure team. Well, you're first in steal percentage. You're first in opposing turnover percentage. But what's been amazing is you combine that you're actually, you're top four in defensive effective field goal percentage. So whilst calling a couple of your games, I've said, look, if you can break through that pressure, there's easy baskets at the, uh, on the backside of that. But you guys have been able to strike this incredible balance of pressure, ball pressure, deflections, forcing turnovers and steals with at the same time um, forcing tough shots and cleaning the defensive glass. How are you getting all of that done at the same time? Well, it's just a credit to the guys and the work they're doing. And, you know, we have depth, which is one of the things when we put this roster together. Again, people look a little sideways at some things, but we have depth. We have enough players to keep rolling out. Um, we have a great foundation of defensive-minded guys to begin with. Matt Kenyon, who I thought was going to be what he's turning into be, a, just a hell of a defender. You already had Sam McDaniels at that point that was a good defender. Josh Adams actually is relatively solid at that position. You have Magna anchoring your backside of uh, everything that's happening. And I thought Fab and JB are just guys that were going to get after you. And when I've talked with them, I, I knew they were all in on, on what they wanted to do and wanted to be a part of. And, and so we just have a lot of good energy guys. Jack McVay's changed from being a three to a four and bought into, you know, aggressive stings on the basketball and, and flying around. And so, uh, again, it was just more of accountability. Uh, from day one, there was no waiver. There was no second guessing. We're, this is the path we're taking. And you're all in. And um, and I, again, I've put a lot of pressure on these guys to be good at that end. And I'm sure we'll get blitzed here every now and then. And we, we haven't quite yet, but those days will come. Uh, but I'm not wavering from any of that. Um, we're building something long-term and, and, and that's how I see it. Uh, have those tight rims in Tassie helped a little bit? Xavier Cooks mentioned well, them the other day. Yeah, I think he's thinking about the ones in Launceston. The ones down here are really nice and soft for us. I don't know what he's talking about. Really. <laughs> okay. I think the ones in Launceston are really tight though. Um, hey, just going back to what we we're talking about there about accountability and the like, you, you've already had to have some pretty hard conversations with some of your guys along the yeah. way and yeah. with, the, with the team as a group, but also what's even more difficult, I think, sometimes is, is those individual conversations. Yeah. And I think it's one of the big question marks about any coach who goes from assistant coaching spot where in Perth, you were that conduit. I chatted with Damian Martin about this the other day. You were that conduit between the guys and Trevor. Matt Nielsen was that guy before you, that the arm around the shoulder guy. Now, when you become a head coach, are you going to be able to have those, those tough conversations? You've had to have some. You've, had to, you've been public about having them with McCall McIntosh. You, you've had to have one. You've had to have one with Sam McDaniel recently about moving out of the starting yeah. lineup. Yeah. How do you go about those conversations with those guys? And which one's been 
the, the, the toughest one for you to this well, point so far? I think um, the one thing is that when you're an assistant coach, and this is just years of experiences, you definitely have to find that you have a, 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 a balance there because you can't be their friends all the time because mm -hmm. they'll take advantage of that at some point. Uh, but you got to be able to kick them in the butt and you also have to be able to hug them and tell them the truth also at the end of the day. And there's a fine line there of getting too friendly with them because do when you do become a head coach, they think that you're just going to be kind of soft and be with them and all that. So for me, um, uh, for example, in Perth, I was very much a, a sounding board for those guys. But, you know, my message was the same as, as Trevor when it had to come to what I believed in and what Trevor believed in to pass that message on. Um, here, you know, it was easy for me because I've been a head coach before. And so uh, I'm very direct, I would say, for the most part and, and straightforward. And I think when players know you have your best interest in them and that you're really for them and that you're doing everything about trying to help them. Um, again, a culture building thing for me is I know their wives. I know their kids' names. I ask them what they're doing. I'm invested in how they are as parents and what's happening here with all of our players. So that investment hopefully knows that I care about them so that when I do have these conversations that aren't going to be always great, that they respect the fact where I'm coming from and, and, and then take it the right way. Um, you know, the tough one was Josh Majet. I, I had a very, very hard conversation with him. He, I think uh, he had a game where he went four for 20 um, at one point. And I basically said, um, that's not enough. That's, that's not why I brought you here. Uh, I said, you're shooting yourself in the foot. I said, that's um, just not you or what I've seen. And I said, this will get you sent home really at the end of the day. If you keep going down this path, you're too talented to, to do what you're doing. We need to reel in some of your shots. We need to make sure that we're also trying to help you and develop some offensive things. But I was very strong with him because um, like all of them, I just want to tell them the truth of where I'm at. I had the same conversation with Josh Adams the week before. And now what you've seen in uh, five weeks later is they're not shooting four for 20. They're, they're shooting 12 shots or 13 shots. And the percentages are sometimes good, sometimes bad. But there's seven extra shots that are going to now Jack McVay. It's getting sprinkled around the team. They're trusting their teammates more. They don't feel like they got to be the guy. Um, this is very much an equal opportunity kind of offense that we're running. We don't need one guy to be the dominant scorer. We just need to have that sprinkled through. And so those conversations can be tough about reeling in their shot selections. I'm not happy about those things and going down that line with them. And um, again, uh, I told them, if it, you know, if that didn't happen, you're not going to play. And the one thing I can control is minutes. And, um, and they bought in right away and we saw some things offensively that would help them. And we understood that I need Jack McVay to get eight, 10, 12 shots. I need this ball to be moved more. I need it to get from side to side we need other people involved and they bought into that. And again, you know, that emotional outlet was again, they're putting the work in and sometimes you don't always get rewarded, but when you do, it's just, you know, a thank God moment more than anything at the end of the day that <laughs> it's working and now they're seeing it work and they'll do it more. And um, that's kind of what it is. I, I love those. Thank God moments, uh, I, for, especially from the coaching perspective. I think, I think Adam Ford probably had one the other day after they beat Brisbane. Yeah. He's tested their manhood. He's questioned their character. And he's thinking, geez, I really hope we get this yeah. win. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, I mean, they're tough conversations, but I think you have to have them as a coach. I think if you try to navigate them and go around them and try to massage them around, it just, 
it's just festering and it's week to week. And by the time it gets too big, uh, you've lost a lot of other things along the way, some credibility with the other teammates and so on and so forth. And when I correct these guys, I correct them in front of them all. It's not always just bring them in my room and have a one-on-one. Mm-hmm. It's in front of everyone that they all know that they're all accountable and they're all hearing the same thing and that, oh shit, you know, he's, he's, he's for real. Like he's not just bluffing. So, so the conversation that you're talking there about Josh Majed and about, uh, yeah. you know, how he's the decision-making and Josh Adams and so on and so forth, they're not one-on-ones? Uh, some of them have been one-on-ones and then some okay. of them, if I see it during the course, I mean, those definitely initially were definitely one-on-ones, but okay. then initially if I see something in practice, I'm correcting them right. in front of the group. I'm not letting that go to after practice. Hey, by the way, I didn't like that shot. Okay. You just, no, it's just, Hey, we're not doing this. Here's another alternative of how we're going to get out of this offense or defense or whatever this. So it's correcting them on the spot and reinforcing that we had the conversation and now it's going to translate out of the floor and then it's going to translate into the game. And then the players are going to see that and they're going to rally around you because they're going to find value in you. And you're going to build a culture of people caring about each other and not about themselves. And, and, and it sounds like it's that Greg Popovich approach of, do you know what? I don't, whether you're the superstar import that was hanging with team USA recently yeah. and is a G league legend yeah. or you're the 12th guy on the roster, everybody's accountable. Yeah. And you know, imports, I think, you know, obviously they need to play well and they need to have some maybe extra freedom here and there, but they need to be coached just like everyone else. And uh, they need to be able to receive coaching and be coachable. And, and um, yeah, just how I was brought up and how I've been around it. And, and that's kind of what I believe. Um, all right. To finish off, I want to ask you to, where to from here, but I want this to, to approach this from two different angles. Firstly, yeah. first thing I want to ask about you and, and your goals and ambitions. You know, you've been coaching in this game for a long time all over the yeah. world. You've spent plenty of time in the association. You've spent a lot of time with the winningest coach in NBA history. What do you want to get done over the, the rest of your coaching career? Do you want to get back? to the association? Uh, I'm definitely not wanting to get back there at all. It's not, it's, it's when I left a few years ago, when I left Thibodeau in Minnesota and went with Yao Ming to coach the Chinese national team, that was it for me. I was kind of planning my escape or leaving. I had yeah. enough of the politics and everything that was going on in, in basketball and the NBA and had mm-hmm. spent quite a bit of time there. And don't get me wrong, it's a great life. But I was looking for more uh, personally for my own growth and to expand myself and I had followed this league very closely and dumb luck. I, I land in Perth and everything kind of starts to gel. And next thing you know, COVID comes and this job becomes available over the summer when we have COVID. And I'm thinking the only way to get this job is to get back to Perth. And I come back to Perth and I get the interview. So for me, um, someone asked me the other day about my contract or whatever. I have a year uh, on my contract left here and uh, my goal is to be here for six or seven years. Uh, that's that's my goal. Uh, I don't see myself leaving here unless they kick me out mm-hmm. um, and building this thing up and making it so that the next guy that comes in after me just coaches basketball, that all the other things are in place. The culture is being built. Uh, they can tweak anything they want, but they just go coach basketball and this thing just snowballs and gets better and better and better. And um, that would be a great kind of ending to my career of of. of of the of coaching you know the quality of life is unbelievable in australia the quality of life down here in tasmania is incredible mm. and it's a hell of a league and it's just going to get better and if i can stay here six or seven years and build this thing into something that i can turn over to the next guy i'd be really proud of myself for that 
and, and secondly, where to here for, for the team? I mean, Magne out for a period of time yeah. here. You're on the road a, a lot over the next stretch. So you guys are going to take your lumps yeah. from here until the end of the season. But I know from the very get-go, you looked at that Southeast Melbourne example of their year one and said, yes, they got off to a hot start. We want to avoid what happened to them in the second half of the year. Of course, they've been, you know, they were a game away from a grand final appearance in, in yeah. year two. Yeah. What, what, what we're to for here, from here yeah, for you I guys mean, this I think season? Our situation is similar, but quite different. Um, just how this team's been put together. It's a state team. It's kind of removed from everything else. And they're in Melbourne and they started with Mitch Creek and they've, they've had a different way of going. Um, for us, I think, again, it's this week to week. Uh, these guys are very locked into this week. And, yeah, we're going to probably take our lumps here and there, and, and that's fine. But I, I'm really excited about the opportunities these other guys are going to get to play. And for me, I just I just have a blast smoking my cigar before the game, um, waiting for the tip-off and watching these guys fly around and cheer them on and get after them. And, and then when that's all over, we, we flush that one and get on to the next one. But the work ethic is going to stay with us. The tenacity of getting after people and taking swings after people are not going to change for us. And – you're going to have to play halfway decent to beat us. And if you don't come with your A game, we'll, we'll, we'll sneak a few games out here and there. And um, where that ends at the end of the day, I don't know. Uh, but we're going to be tenacious um, in our approach. And we have nothing to lose except to keep swinging at people. Awesome, mate. Awesome. Yep. Thanks. Thanks, Eves. I know we've had, we've had trouble working our schedules. Yeah. Catch up in person and, and, and share one of those cigars. But I'm glad yeah. we could... We could get on Zoom and smash we'll this out. Good Anytime. luck. I appreciate you.